<coughs> All right. Welcome to Combo Courses Podcast. My name is Bruce. <coughs> Damn, had a false start. Um, had some technical issues uh, with my last stream. I'm not sure what happened. It just cut off maybe because of a storm here or something. I don't know. But uh, here we go again. And now we've got TikTok going and uh, all platforms. So if you have any questions whatsoever about cybersecurity, how to get into cybersecurity, if you're already in it and you had questions, I've been doing this for 20 years. Specifically, my focus has been um, security compliance for the federal government, but I've also done this for the private sector. And I just take time on the weekends to have open. I just have so many questions for people asking me how to get in this field, what to do with this field. And so this is a great opportunity for you to to ask somebody who's already on the inside. This is not me trying to solicit you to do anything, you know, so this is an opportunity for you to just ask questions like for free. If, now, if you do want to go deeper, I do have books, courses, all kinds of stuff, all time, probably 700 free videos on YouTube convo courses. So just go ahead and check me out. Um, I got a ton of videos on TikTok, on YouTube, on Facebook that are all free. But if you want to go deeper, I sometimes I'll give out free books. I'll give out free material, free downloadables um, for you guys to just to help people out. That's that's why I do it, because, you know, I was I come from nothing. So I if I can do this from nothing, from nowhere, then you guys can do it too. It wasn't easy. This is not get rich quick. This is not, this wasn't easy. There's a huge, huge learning curve for cybersecurity and IT. But like I said, I'm a high school dropout. I, I If I can do this, then you can definitely do this. All right, let me, I'm going to start this off by just answering some questions from YouTube. Um, I've got a whole bunch of questions I just haven't gotten around to uh, to answering here. And I started this before when I was answering questions and my stream just turned off and I apologize for that. I, I don't know what happened, but um, here we go. So we, we already asked, answered a question about polygraph tests. Let's answer this one right here. Somebody asked me, you said you are in the Air Force. That makes a lot of difference. OK, so they were saying this one's about me saying that you got to post your resume. So my argument in this video was. Uh, somebody was saying, hey, you, the, in order to get in, this, in IT, you have to know somebody. And I was I was saying, no, you don't necessarily have to know somebody because that's not how I got in. 80% of the jobs that I've gotten was because I posted my resume in the right places. Um, and I tell people how to do it. And uh, if you do what I did, you should ha have similar results. Now, results do vary um, because it depends on your experience and your background and things like that. And they were saying... This person saying, well, it's because you were in the Air Force and that makes a lot of difference. Yes, that's true. The Air Force gave me experience. Really, the, the, the difference was experience. It wasn't the Air Force in particular. It's experience. Like when I was in the Air Force, I had hands on experience. And so that's one of the things that I preach about here is that you got to get experience. And that's really what the organizations are looking for you to get to have. They're not looking for just a. Uh, just a degree or just a certification. They're looking for you to have experience. Now, so the next question you should have is like, well, how do I get experience? Number one, you have to get the knowledge. You have to get, you have to learn IT, IT stuff. That's the number one thing you have to do. And um, the good thing about doing certifications or doing 
a degree is that you're learning as you're getting that certification or that degree. While you're learning, while you're getting that degree, you need to be get hands on doing labs at your house. You can literally set up computers in your house. You can build computers in your house. Um, that's why a lot of times gamers, gamers who build their own rig, build their own computer, those guys could probably go for A plus CompTIA A plus certification, and they could probably you know land a job in a in like a field tech one job because they've they know their way around a computer. And that's the kind of hands-on, that's one of the types of hands-on that you need. After that, after you do the labs, you're building your own computers, you're messing around with networks in your house, you're, I don't know, setting up Wi-Fi in your house, messing around with it, putting up firewalls, um, removing viruses from your from your systems, from your friends' experience, uh, from your friends' systems. Then what you can do is start to venture out into wherever you're at, like start where you're at. That means if you happen to go to community, some sort of community services, you can see if you can apply the skills that you've learned, the knowledge that you've learned to somebody in your local community, help them set up their network, help them fix their computer, do freelance work. You can literally put freelance work and put that in like that you helped out uh, people in your community that you did freelance work. You can have like a you can literally, instead of putting like IBM, you can put freelance and then put the date and then put all the, th the times that you free you helped people to fix their computers and what you did to fix their computers. You could do that. You could also, if you happen to be in school, you can be become a working student. They've got apprentice programs, internships. That's why college is probably the best route because they have all these different avenues and ways to connect with people and all these projects you could do. If you're actually working in the field already, if you're working in any field, if you work at Wendy's as a, you know, you're a server, you're, you're at the point of sale device, you can see if the IT guys will let you uh, shadow them. You could actually work for that company, see if you can actually get a career path in IT for them, working for them. So there's many different ways you can get it. I'm not saying it's easy, but there are ways you can get experience so you can put it on your resume so that you can level up. What you're trying to do is get that step, go to this step, and then use this experience to go to the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step. So somebody said, I work, wait, let me see before I read that one. Somebody said, uh, bear with me here. Hold up, hold up. I think they said that they work as a cable installer. I finished data analytics cert on uh, on Google. What do you think about going for a cyber cert? Um, data analytics cert, it's kind of depending on what, which direction you want to go with. Um, I can't really speak on how effective any of the Google certs are. I don't know how marketable they are, to be honest with you. Um, the ones that I know are marketable are going to be the CompTIA certifications. A plus, Security Plus, those ones are marketable. I'm not saying that Google Analytics is not marketable as a certification, um, but I'm I'm just I don't know like how marketable. I can check it out real quick. That's that'll be something we can do. And then you went on to say, I work as a cable installer currently. Um, does that count as some experience? Um, yes. Um, like a lot of times when I have my cable installed. They'll they'll have like a extra fee for them to set up my um, my router. So that actually could you could put that on your resume because setting up that router is installing Internet service, you know, and then sometimes you 
Um, I'm sure that they walk you through how to set up like different features on that router. And um, you're only one step away from being um, a pretty in-depth network guy. So the thing about cable installers is that you you're you learn in layer what's called layer one of networking. Like layer one means the physical connection. Like I'm connecting this to this, the wires. So you already have an experience with layer one technology. You you have experience with with wireless. You should put that on your resume. You have experience, hell, working for an IT organization because that's what a communication telecom is. Um, you can put that on your resume. That's a big one actually. And whether it's Verizon or Comcast or whoever, that's actually a keyword. All that stuff's keywords. Um, another thing is if they if they're teaching you, I don't know what you do, but if you're doing DH DSL, um, if you're doing fiber, if you're doing a coax cable, whatever type of install installation you're doing, Cat five, Cat six, all that stuff is IT. That's basic IT stuff that they teach on CompTIA A plus. By the way. So some of those those things I just said, those are layer one networking features um, right above that. You're very close right above layer one, layer two, which is LAN, local area networks. It's a little bit more complicated because you have a, a logical uh, logical connections like uh, IP. Um, I, and I'm, I'm sure you even know about that. I um, uh, Actually, Mac, Mac addresses, <clears throat> Mac addresses is layer two stuff. Um, and that's how devices, each device has a, like a unique code that allows it to communicate on a local area network. This is all stuff that if you learned, you read about it, you'd be like, oh, it would just snap because you are doing that. You're already doing some of that stuff already. But you just don't know it. So if you learn networking, like what I would do if I were you is if I was a, if I was a cable guy, I would do networking. I do network uh, engineering. I, that's a really good next step for you. Because you'll just it'll just un, you'll just understand stuff. You'll just know you you'll these different terminologies will come up and you'll be like, oh, I know what that is. You might like IP addresses is layer three actually layer three um, uh, addresses of IP addresses. So IPv4, IPv6, you'll learn you'll pick that stuff up really fast. You'll just understand what it is and, and why I how IPs work, all that. If I were you, I'd build from there. I'd go from there. You want to do uh, networking certifications are hard to pin down. Like if you don't know anything about networking, maybe to just to get your feet wet, it's not a good certification. But just to get your feet wet, what you probably want to do is do the CompTIA Network Plus. So I talk a lot of shit about Network Plus on this video, <laughs> on my videos. Like People talk mad shit about Network Plus, but let me tell you something. The common body of knowledge there, if you don't know anything about networking, is actually pretty good. It take it's teaching you very, very basic things about networking that you as a cable guy will just you'll just understand it. From there, you don't really need the certification. To be honest with you, you don't need that certification. It's not a good certification. Um, but if you just get a book and read it, you'll start to understand it. Then what you want to do, um, you want to probably be do an entry level Cisco certification entry-level Cisco certification, which is called, they used to call it CCENT, but I think they recently changed it. Um, entry-level, like I'm talking about, the, like within the last few months, they changed it. Level, entry-level Cisco certification. 
reason why I, I'm telling you to get this is called a Cisco Certified Support Technician, entry-level certification. The reason why I'm suggesting this one, and I'll suggest a couple other ones, but this one is really good because it's going to teach you, um, it's going to allow you to go to the next level, which is CCNA. After you get this, uh, it's called CCST, entry-level certification. Then you can go to uh, a CCNA. Uh, so those are very marketable certifications. Very, very marketable. Not easy. They're not. CCNA is not an easy certification. And I would argue probably this Cisco certified support technician is probably not easy either. The way they're doing things. I mean, they've gotten a lot more difficult. Um, another set of depends on what track you want to go to. Because okay? networking certifications, networking, unfortunately, in the U.S., is very uh, vendor specific, meaning you have to go with a vendor, and that's just how it's. That's just how the market is gone. There's no, there hasn't been any, unlike cybersecurity. Cybersecurity, uh, one of the great things about it is that they have several high level and low level um, vendor agnostic, meaning they don't. They're not. They're not beholden to any company. There's not a company promoting their product. Um, there's several different certifications that you can get that are not specific to any vendor. And just to, off the top of my head, there's Security Plus, there's CISSP, um, and those right there are premier certifications. Those are very good certifications to get. Like if you got those, you you, it's it's going to help you get in the field. But networking, you have to go with a vendor. Like you got to go with Cisco or VMware or AWS or something like that. So, okay, here's here's what I would recommend you do. Do a networking path because it's going to be, you'll be able to build off your skills that you already have as a network technician because you already know layer one. You already know one layer of networking. So I would recommend either vendor, uh, these vendor level uh, certifications I would recommend. Number one would be Cisco, an entry level Cisco certification is Google it. Um, another one would probably be cloud, um, AWS is called ACP, um, it's, fuck, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> I'm getting old, man. Uh, it's called, uh, it's AWS, AWS, A yeah, AWS cloud certified practitioner. And the reason why I say this is because, um, it's also an entry level. It's not networking. It's cloud, which is like a. It's built on networking, but it's not necessarily network certification. Um, this one would be also good. It would also be good for you to do, do the network plus network plus just to learn. Right. Just do go through, read a book, uh, study it and stuff like that. If you want to take the cert, go for it. You know, there there are jobs that are looking for people who have a network uh, network plus CompTIA network plus. That's what it's called. Once you learn that, then go CC and uh, a, C, a Cisco certified uh, entry-level certification or AWS cloud practitioner. The reason why I suggest that one is because cloud is super hot right now in the market. Um, another one would be VMware. VMware has an entry-level uh, certification called VCP, I believe. And it is a, also a practitioner certification, VMware virtual certified practitioner or something like that. That's also a good network certification. It's got elements of networking in it. It also goes into virtualization. Virtualization is really cool and it's what cloud is based off of. Um, 
I'm trying to think of another one. Probably Juniper would be good. Not as big in the market. They don't have a, a biggest slice of the networking pie. But anyway, that's what I would recommend you do. That's what I would do if I was a if I was a, a cable guy. Hope that answers your question. Um, troubleshooting routers, modems, all yeah, man, that's all that's all stuff you can put on your surf your. That's all stuff you can put on your resume, man. That's all stuff you can put on your resume. You're way beyond most people. Most people who ask me questions you watch are going to be asking basic stuff, man. You already have experience. Yeah, man. Like you're you're in a very good place. You just don't know what to put on your resume. Now, another thing is if you if you want to know what to put on your resume, I have a free downloadable link in description, link in bio. I have a free downloadable of my resume. Go on my site and look for it. And absolutely free to sign up. If you don't want the newsletter to sign up, just unsubscribe to it. But you can download my resume right now to get an idea. Now, my res my newsletter is dope because I give out jobs and stuff and free books and shit like that. So if you want to do that, it's cool. But but if not, it's cool too. Just download my resume to get an idea of what you should put on your resume. My resume is gold, man. I, I've been using that for years to get jobs, and it's it's not missed. It doesn't miss. Um, let me see. Cryptic says. What would be a better cybersec degree, WGU or computer science at a university? Cybersecurity degree. Cybersecurity degree uh, at WGU. And the reason why I say that is because I don't know what university you're referring to, but I can tell you this WGU, you'll be able to do the job, you'll do, be able to do it remotely. And I know several people who have went to WGU on an accelerated adult course <clears throat> online. And WGU has a bachelor's degree program for computers uh, for cybersecurity. I think they even have computer science. Um, and then they also have uh, master's degree programs and they have certification that you can dual path it. Like you can go as you're going to your bachelor's degree, you can get another cloud cert or whatever as you're going through. Like look at the curriculum, but. I would say that, and you don't have to get a cybersecurity degree, by the way. You can get a computer science degree. Um, but the reason why I would recommend a cybersecurity degree specifically from WGU is because it's an accelerated course. You can knock it out. It's not, it's not I don't know what a university would bring to you that WGU is not going to do for you, unless you're going, uh, you want to go to Yale or Harvard or Stanford or something like that. And to be honest with you, to make that money, you don't have to do that. That's not it's not a necessary. It's, you don't have to do it. They are not looking for. Oh, did this guy go to Yale? Did he go to Ivy League school? No, no, nobody gives a damn about that, man. What they want to know is that you can do the job. That's that's really what they want because we don't have enough people, man. Every the last five six jobs I've been to, we're struggling all the time. We don't have enough people to do these jobs, especially in the federal government because they can't hire. Trust me, if they could hire outside the United States, they would because Americans don't want to do these jobs, man. They keep saying, oh, we don't have jobs like we they weren't hiring foreigners. No, no. I'm working in the federal government. You can't hire foreigners. We don't have enough people to do this work. I'm I've got jobs where I'm working to them wearing two and three hats. We need more people to do this work. I'm telling you. So the thing is, you can't just hire anybody for this work. That's the that's the problem. You can't just hire anybody. You got to have somebody who knows has kind of some idea what they're doing or is willing to learn, and a lot of Americans are not. And so what we have here is this bottleneck where there's no Americans applying for these jobs, not even 
there's not enough applying for. There's some, but there's just not enough applying for these jobs. Um, let me see. Um, I'm at an IT spot. Wait, hold on. I got another question here on YouTube. Marcel says, when's your next live class? Um, I might do one tomorrow about NIST CSL. I wanted to do one today, but I just wasn't, I just wasn't ready. I just wasn't ready, man. I, I'm just, <laughs> I got too much stuff going on, but maybe tomorrow, um, maybe tomorrow I can do one. Um, I would actually like to do, do a live right now, to be honest with you, a live, uh, training class on NIST CSF on how to do a start from, from scratch. Every now and then I'll do what they're talking about is every now and then I'll do a live class where I'm teaching people from scratch how to do whatever cybersecurity. I sent you an email, no response yet. Mm, I get a lot of emails. Um, resend me the email. Um, Yo-Yo says, I'm at IT specialist right now. I'm I'm an IT specialist right now. How can I trans transition to cybersecurity? All right, this right here is my specialty. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Um, and you are my audience. The people who are already IT in IT and want to do cybersecurity, you really have the most to gain um, because it's a very simple trick that you learn. Um, so here's here's the trick. There is no trick. You're already doing cybersecurity. I, I know it sounds crazy, but you're already doing it. So cybersecurity is not just hacking. It's not just pen testing. It's not just uh, that's fancy. It's not just CSI. It's not just forensics. Um, cybersecurity is very broad. Now, you might hear people mince words and say, well, this guy, he's talking about information security. This guy is talking about GRC. OK, whatever, whatever. So it's all cybersecurity. And let me explain why. Cybersecurity is the protection of an organization's assets. What are assets? That's like their servers, their laptops, their data, their information, whatever they use to do their business and mission essential functions, right? So that is what we're doing. What are we protecting on those assets? We're protecting the confidentiality, the integrity, and the availability. Confidentiality is like the secrets. Integrity is like protecting it from point A to point B um, to make sure nobody tampers with the data as it's going or whereas it's being stored, like alter it. And then the last thing that we're doing is in a nutshell is um, availability, making sure like it, whenever you go to you, you go to YouTube or you go to Google or you go to Bing or whatever, it's available, right? You can just access it. Sometimes there's a way that you can stop all that. What 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 hackers will do, criminal hackers, what they'll do is they'll do a denial of service attack to slow down or stop anybody from accessing a website that you frequent. Another thing that they'll do is they'll what insider uh, inside hackers will do is they'll leak information from the inside. They'll have the information. They'll leak it out or whatever. Um, that's also a threat that we have to as cybersecurity people have to do. Now, what I mean to say that you're already doing this is that you're literally protecting the the confidentiality integrity and availability you got to think about how to put how you have let me just tell you a few things that i know you've done have you ever updated 
the patches on an operating system, any operating system, Windows, Mac, uh, Red Hat, whatever. If you've ever done that, that's cybersecurity. You just got to articulate it on your resume. You got to put that on your resume. You got to write that on your resume. What you want to do is tell not only that you've updated uh, the, the security features of Windows 2019 by updating to the latest patches, but also the impact. The impact will be you updated 15,000 systems or 1,500 systems, um, which also limited the risk to the organization. I just gave you a bullet right there if you've ever patched a system. But there's other things that you can do. There's other things you can do. There's um, um, there's other things you can do. You could also, uh, if you've ever updated uh, virus signatures, these are the most common things that we as IT professionals do. If you've ever updated virus signatures on a system, that's also something you need to put on your resume. If you've ever taken inventory, I know these don't sound like what you normally hear about being cybersecurity related, but these are, I promise you, this is all cybersecurity. So if you've ever um, done inventory of software or hardware, that's also something you need to put on your resume. These are things organizations have to do on a regular basis because they have to know the baseline of the organization. They have to know the baseline of the assets that's on the network. Does that make sense? You need to put that on your resume. If you're an IT person and you're trying to transition into cybersecurity, somebody who's trying to put you in a role, they need to know what cybersecurity things that you've done. So you need to just put it on your resume. If you want an example of that, I have a free downloadable you can get off of my um, link in description, link in bio. You can go ahead and go to my website, fig, find the free downloadable, my resume, and other template resumes that give you an example of how to, how to word the stuff you want to put on there for uh, for your job. Now, if you're really serious, I have a whole book about it. Like I break down everything, how to market yourself after, how to find the keywords and then how to market yourself, put yourself, add yourself everywhere and then how to get um, a constant flow of opportunities, which I get all the time. Every day I'm getting people offering me cybersecurity positions. And the, the way I'm doing it, I put it in a video, I put it in a, a book, I put it in, you know, an audio book, all this stuff is out there. But um, I'm telling you right now how to do it. Like I'm telling you exactly how I, I, I'm doing it and how I transitioned from IT to cybersecurity. You've got to put the cybersecurity stuff that you've done. Um, another thing is audit logs. If you've ever done audit logs, you got to add that. If you've ever vulnerability um, management, that's that's patches. You got to save vulnerability management on your net on your resume. Um, if you've ever what else? Um, if you've ever updated a policy or done a work instruction, those are things you need to put on there. That's also cybersecurity stuff. Anything that helps the organization to maintain its um, to maintain its business mission function. Those are all things that you can you can word in such a way. That is cybersecurity. And once you put it on there and market, what you're doing is marketing yourself. You're branding yourself as a cybersecurity professional by putting all, by putting up front all the cybersecurity stuff you've ever done when you, as an IT specialist, that's how you do it.
Um, let me see. I've got some other questions here. Has lost access to LinkedIn. Don't worry. We got you covered. Damn. Okay, LinkedIn's gone. Um, well, let me see. I sent you an email, no response. What does ISO, what does an ISO do on a daily basis? Oh, this is a good one. This is a softball. <laughs> this is a slow pitch. Um, so I am an ISO. So that means an information system security officer. Um, what our main task is, is to, is to, first of all, what is our job? So our job is to protect, help to protect the assets in an organization. That's protecting the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of the information that allows the system to run. How do we do this on a daily basis? Well, we can't do it all ourselves, right? We need a firewall team. We need uh, somebody who maybe there's people who control the encryption, control the backups. There's people who control the physical security. There's people who control the personnel security. There's people. There's all different aspects and layers to cybersecurity, right? So there's not one person doing all this, but there there is a group of people who are coordinating all of this to make sure that the system at all times has a certain level of security posture. That means like a certain a certain level of security is maintained like this. Like it's not down here. It's like this. Right. What I do on a day to day basis and it does vary from from uh, site to site and from job to job and role to role and stuff. But what I do is I work for a federal department. And what we do is we are constantly monitoring um, vulnerabilities. So a lot of what I do is is vulnerability management. I'm constantly looking at vulnerabilities that are and there's hundreds of vulnerabilities constantly coming in and out. Right. Think about Microsoft, how many it's probably running in the background right now on your phone when your phone says, oh, I need to do an update on, you know, uh, iPhone or whatever. iOS on iPhone has to be updated. Well, that stuff happens a lot of times in the background to all your apps and all. So think about this, but not on just one phone or one device, but think about it on hundreds of servers and thousands of computers. That's they're constantly being updated with new patches, new features, new all kinds of stuff. And in addition to that, we're also looking at possible threats. So on a weekly basis, we're looking at a list of all of the vulnerabilities that are coming in and we're trying to fix those. To, to fix them, I have to coordinate with a whole bunch of different stakeholders, people who are also who are interested parties in this. That means like system administrators. I've got to do meetings with system administrators and say, okay, what's going on with these vulnerabilities? How can we fix them? And we have to have a strategy on how we're going to fix them. And then I might have to meet with management because management's saying, hey, why hasn't this been fixed? This hasn't been fixed in three months. What's going on? And me, I'm the mouthpiece. I'm saying, I'm going on behalf of the system team and saying, okay, well, here's what we've been doing, sir or ma'am. We've been, we've coordinated this. We've, we've actually uh, worked with Microsoft to make sure that this gets fixed. We're doing this. Now. So it's a lot of actually meetings. That's what I do on a day to day basis. It's a lot of coordination. It's a lot of meetings. Um, it's not a lot of hands on stuff. The only hands on stuff I do is I'll work with Seam technology. That's a, a security information event manager. I've got to work with that to see what's going on, like with the traffic. But there's a whole nother team that does that. I'm just kind of um, 
I, I've got access to it. So I'll look through and see if there's any threats or anything I need to be worried about for our system. And then another thing I'll do is that's hands on is I'll do scanners. I'm working in, I'm logging in the scanners and seeing what the vulnerabilities are and what the vulnerability, what vulnerabilities affect which of our systems, um, individual systems. And there's like hundreds of them. So I'm having to constantly coordinate and like pull down these lists of systems and figure out priorities because there's so if you got thousands and thousands of vulnerabilities on hundreds and hundreds of systems now what you have to do is prioritize it right you got to say okay what is the most important systems and then how can we fix this what is the where are the criticals at let's fix those um which ones hasn't been hasn't been fixed in months and months which what let's take a list of those and let's focus on these to fix these you know so that's what i do on a, it's mostly meetings it's mostly looking at vulnerabilities, it's prioritizing lists, it's stuff like that is what I do. But I've been in organizations where I did have hands-on and I was working with the system team. I was working with the administrators, like actually installing stuff, things like that. I've been in the, that position. I've been in positions where all I did was seam stuff. I was actually a system security um, analyst. I'd be looking at the the uh, threats that are coming in and seeing, okay, how can we stop these threats? It really depends on the job that you're doing. All right, let me see. So I should straight up get a security plus. Kelly is asking me, should you get a security plus? It it doesn't, de it depends on where you're at, Khaled. Um, yeah, I can't suggest everybody just go out and get a security plus. Like it depends on where, I'd have to know more about where you're at. It is a great certification, especially if you're already an IT professional and you're trying to transition into cybersecurity, then yeah. If you've been doing, I would say like this, if you've been doing help desk or field tech work and, you know, you're dealing with customers fixing computers and now you're trying to level up by doing cybersecurity um, and you've been doing this for like a year or something like that. Yeah, Security Plus, is a, it's a no brainer, man. Like it, it's going to instantly get you more exposure to a bunch of cybersecurity roles. Now, if you don't know not, anything, you don't have no experience, you don't, you're not an IT guy, you're, you have a whole different career path, you're a nurse and you're trying to go in cybersecurity. No, don't take Security Plus. Don't, don't start. You gotta, you're going to have to start with computer stuff. Like you're going to start with IT, basic IT stuff first and then build yourself up to a Security Plus. Okay, let me see. Having a solid network foundation will help you in infosec big time. Oh man, yeah, this guy knows exactly what he's talking about. I appreciate what you're doing for us viewers. Appreciate you. Thanks for watching. Uh, looking for something analytical based. Wait, let me let me go down to the bottom of this. I've been talking for a while, I'm missing people's comments at the bottom here. Um, mail. Molly Booyah says com computer networking is everything. Computer networking is super important, super foundational and super important to everything I do. Like you can't take that puzzle piece out. It's one of the main things that you have to learn as an IT professional, period, let alone cybersecurity. Very, very important to know the basics of, net of computers uh, networking. That's for sure. Uh, it's foundational. Um, let me see. Security plus, but no help desk, but know a little Python. Hmm. Is there anything else on this one? More context. 
Yeah. The main thing from this point is going to be to get some experience because a lot of these employers, they're, they're wanting you to hit the ground running. That means you, you need to be <clears throat> hands on. So your Python is going to be very, very effective for you because that's hands on stuff. Um, Python is, is a very I'm not saying you're going to go out and just get a Python job, um, but get more experience and then you'll be able to get those uh, field tech one help desk type positions. Yeah, I'm a digital investigator and it's a rewarding job, but you you be seeing things that make you um, that just make you. Yeah. I, you know what? Just familiar with languages. OK. Did you you'd be seeing things that you didn't finish that sentence? <laughs> you didn't finish that sentence. Uh, do you do you use ChatGPT ChatGPT to help you identify those vulnerabilities? Um, not no, um, not really. I've I've messed around with I've wrote written two books on ChatGPT um, and how it has helped me. Um, it helps me with writing. It's very, it's a very good tool with writing. Um, it helps me with research, but vulnerabilities, it's pretty limited, actually. ChatGPT, I know people think it's going to take over the world and end people's life and end people's jobs and destroy capitalism or whatever, but it's not, it's not, it's not there yet, guys. Like, it's really not there yet. It's a great tool, but we're probably about 10 years away from the stuff they're talking about. I mean, it's going to take a while. It, it's not savvy enough to really. Well, I, I have messed around with it a little bit, but I found it more effective to just go to Google. You know, if I need information on the latest vulnerability, I just. It's just not there yet, you know. It's just not there yet. So, no, I don't use it for my job. I know like at the federal government. No, I haven't used it. I did use it once. Okay, so federal job. I told you I, I use Seams, right? Seam technology is like a security information event manager. And what it does is it consolidates all of the logs. So we use something called Splunk at the place I work at. And Splunk is, the, it uses something called regular expression, which is kind of like a programming language. It's not a programming language, but it's like very complicated. And you've got a word it all in a certain way it's almost like a string of code if you want to do something really complicated so what i'll what i've done is i went to chat gpt and said okay i'm on splunk and i'm trying to figure out who logged in at midnight show me i want splunk to show me a list of everybody who misauthenticated 15 times at midnight and then it wrote it for me it wrote like a code to tell me exactly what to put in Splunk. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. So I, I used that, put that in Splunk, and uh some of the more simple commands did work, you know. So that, you know, that yeah, so I've I've used it for that kind of stuff, but not necessarily vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities uh normally I'll go to either the vendor's website, um, or I'll go to um CVEs websites or go to uh, Nessus plugin websites or something like that, you know, to get more insight from the actual vendor in real time. So, and it's ChatGPT hasn't been affected with that. Not for me. Maybe I'm not typing the right thing in. Um, let me see here. 
Um, ChatGPT has helped with other things, though, like big time help with other things, but not vulnerabilities. Is what I'm trying to say. We got a digital investigator in the house. Man, that's I would love to pick this dude's brain. Um, ISO equals no industries best practices. Set company policies. Ensure system meets uh, security posture. In a nutshell, yeah, I can't argue with that. That, that that's a lot of what I do. Is CISSP used in big tech? Um, it's used to get jobs in big tech. <laughs> I don't know how much I've actually used it. It's not like a useful certification. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it, it's good for getting jobs. It's great for getting your foot in the door. Every organization knows what CISSP is. So it's a professional level cert. Um, by the time you have the knowledge base to get a, CI, a CISSP, um, you probably are skilled at several different things and um, and are specialized in several different things by the time you get that thing. It's it's a great certification. That that certification changed my life single-handedly. It's, it's one of the few things I can point to and say, that thing right there helped me. And CISSP did that for me. So I can't I can't shit on it too much. It's it's helped me out quite a bit. I'm taking the security plus exam. I took a course of a CEH in college. Is it about the same? Thank you. Is a security plus the same as a CEH? Um, no, it's it's different. So CEH focuses on um, it's a certified ethical hacker, which focuses on, on some of the methodologies and tools and techniques that a hacker would use to get in the into your network. And the, the idea behind the CEH is that if you know what tools and what techniques and what strategies and methods that a hacker is going to use, you could then use it to protect your own your network. So it's kind of like knowing what a thief is going to do to break in your house. So, you know, OK, I need this kind of lock. This lock won't work. And all oh, these windows are open. I got it. You know, so you're doing that from a cybersecurity perspective. Security Plus is different in that it's teaching you best security practices of uh, of somebody who's already inside the, the the organization. So one is like a white hat. Hacker. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but one is inside the network. That's what I'm trying to say. One is like inside the network and is saying, okay, not only do we need, uh, you need to know a couple of these tools here, isn't really going to the cyber hacking tools or whatever. It mostly focuses on best security practices, like uh, what what is what are controls and what controls need to be put in my network. Um, it it talk, touches a little bit on frameworks, but not that much like security controls. It'll touch on things like um, how to secure operating systems, but it doesn't it's not vendor specific. It's a really good certification. It's really good to. If you if you get the certification, if you study for it, you're going to have a really good, solid understanding of what cybersecurity is um, from a high level. And um, it's, it's a good it's a great certification for that, where CEH is mostly just hacking like here's. Here's how you it's tools and the techniques and that kind of thing. It's it's a narrower path. Security Plus is is different, very very different. There's a little bit of crossover between the two, but not you know not that much. All right, let me see. Smooth Virus, how you doing, man? Smooth Virus says, um, 
CISSP is a management cert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. I agree with that. Um, calm before the storm says, um, I've been following you for a couple of months and I found your channel to be very informative. Well, thank you. Thanks for following me. Thanks for watching. I appreciate it. And uh, Smooth Virus agrees with me about the CISSP. It kicked me into six figures. Yes. Yeah, no, that certification is no joke, man. It's no joke. It's single handedly. I mean, that's one thing I point to to say, yeah, that did it. It's, I would say it had a similar effect, not better than, but a similar effect as the bachelor's degree. Seriously, like it had that, that level of impact on my life. It's right up there. Probably even better than this. I could have probably taken the CISP and gotten. I don't, yeah, I don't know. But CISP is no joke. Um, let me see. Advice for a 22-year-old that wants to get started. Okay. So if I'm a 22-year-old and I want to get started, I just got out of high school. I just got out of, not out of high school. <laughs> well, actually, technically, from my perspective, I'm an old guy. So from my perspective, you just got out of high school. So what I what would I do? Um, learn information technology. There's a couple things you need to to learn. And if you have zero experience, zero knowledge, zero jobs, I would say, and you you old heads, you guys have been in the field for a while, chime in with your own device for this 22-year-old. I'd have to know a little bit more about you. Like I'd have to know you like your background, like what do you do? What's your because I always tell people to start where they are. And that what that means is if you're in school already, if you're in high if you're in high school, if you're in college, you need to start looking for doing work in college, like get, get certifications in college, get, get actual experience in college. There's ways that you can actually help on campus that you can put that stuff on your resume. That's what you need to do right now. Knowing what I know now, that's what I'd do if I were you. Um, experience trumps everything. If you don't know anything at all, what you need to do is focus on getting the knowledge and the knowledge is um, there's a couple ways you can get the common body of knowledge, get it for free off the internet. I mean, really YouTube has a whole bunch of courses. What you probably want to search is like it um, basic it stuff. And there's a ton of free stuff out there for Udemy for really cheap courses. If you've signed up for the first time, Udemy has like $19 core, $20 courses that are pretty good. Look at the stars, the ratings of each course. Uh, and if you're really serious, get a book, CompTIA A+, and start working on that for basic IT stuff. And then get the certification because that's a pretty good entry-level certification. After you get the knowledge base down, you know how hardware work, how computers work, how operating systems work, how applications work, all that stuff. Once you get that down, the next step is going to be... Um, to get the experience and that's the tricky part the knowledge is like right now you i mean you could get that right now but the the tricky part's getting the actual experience i'd have to if i knew more about you i could probably i could guide you in the right direction um let me see got some more i did it backwards though i did the cissp and then got a bachelor's degree smart move Smart move. Um, the bachelor's degree 
from WGU was a big impact on me, man. Yeah, bachelor's degree was a huge, huge impact on me as well. I, I have to agree with you there. Um, yeah, I have to agree with you there. It was those two things like changed everything for me. Um, just having that, it just opens up so many doors. I'm not telling you you have to have a degree um, to get in this field. You don't have to have uh, a certification, but you had you do have to have the knowledge, and you a certification will be helpful. But the more experience you have, the more doors it's going to open. Then, then if you have a degree, a bachelor's degree in particular, it's going to open up even more doors, especially to like six figure type jobs. And then certifications. Um, there's low level certifications, entry level certifications, and then you have professional level cert certifications. There's a big difference between those two. And the, the, the professional level certifications are six figure territory. That's like CASP, CISSP, CCNP. I would, I would argue CCNA certification is also a professional level cert, even though they, they don't say that, but that's six level, six figure cert. With experience, Security Plus can also be six figure. C C E H, uh, with experience, also six figure. Uh, let me see. Got some other great comments, questions. Is the CompTIA A plus and Security Plus the same? No. Um, these two are different. So a CompTIA A plus. Here, actually, let me show you. CompTIA A+, I'll just talk while I'm typing here. CompTIA A+, is, is for basic troubleshooting of a computer, um, basic IT stuff. So if you don't know, if you don't have experience, all right, um, a lot of my peers out there who are doing this type of work where they're talking about whether or not a person should get a, a degree or certification, they crap all over CompTIA A plus. Don't do it. Don't. But they're, I think they're referring to people who are already in the field. If you're already an IT person, you probably don't need an A plus certification. But if you don't know anything, if you don't have no experience, then yes, this is a great certification to get. It's. I'm telling you because this was my first certification. So A plus is. Let me show you the what they're teaching here. This stuff right here. See this? Check this out. Hardware, operating systems, software troubleshooting, networking, um, security. What else? Mobile devices, virtualization, cloud computing, operational stuff. So it's like a it's telling you the big picture of IT in general and how how to be like a help desk person. Whereas security plus it's telling you the best security practices that you need to know as a cybersecurity person. So it, it focuses more on just security, cybersecurity stuff from a high level, by the way. Let me see if I can find that. I wonder why they don't have it here, all certs. Let's go here. So and you'll see here that they have core certifications, A+, Network+, and Security+, Plus is considered a core and then when you go, you got specializations, infrastructure, cloud, um, Linux plus, server plus. And then you've got cybersecurity certifications, the CASP, um, CYSA plus, 
and each one of these has different levels. Like some of these are not marketable. Like this one, this ITF plus, I would not recommend this. No, not unless you really don't know anything at all. Like if you really don't know anything, you start starting from absolute scratch. You don't even know the terminology, then okay, maybe. And even then, I wouldn't say get the certification. Just get the knowledge. A plus, this is a marketable. I don't care what anybody says. Right now, this is this is a marketable. As of this recording, is a marketable certification. I can I can literally show you evidence that it's marketable. Network plus, eh, eh. <laughs> it's not that. I mean, I'm not telling you don't get it, but it's not super marketable, right? Like if you don't, if you're it tells you basic tenets of, of Network Plus, but that's not what you asked. So uh, you asked about Security Plus. So let's look into that. So Security Plus is looking at, let's look at the what they're teaching you here. What, what are the domains is what we're looking for. The domains are like uh, network security, um, application security from a high level. Somebody said Network Plus is good for project manager. Is good for project manager. I have the Network Plus. I have the Security Plus. Um, I think the Network Plus is good if you if you are really trying to level. If you don't know anything and you're trying to level up in networking and you don't want to go the vendor route, um, I, I think it's good. The, the stuff that they put in it is good to learn. Network Plus was kind of tough, though. Um, Network Plus was not hard for me personally. It was not. It was one of the easier certs that I take. I take it. A plus was really hard for me. I'm just t talking for my own. This keep in mind, I took this stuff like 20 years ago, so I don't know what that's worth to you now. But <laughs> these things change, so you know. So take that with a grain of salt. Anyway, learn learn more. Let's see. I'm trying to get to the actual breakdown of what they talk about on this. Here we go. They talk about, this is Security Plus, they talk about threats, attacks, and vulnerabilities. Technologies and tools, and this is where they might get into some of the CEH stuff. Um, but that's not what they talk about. They talk about risk management, cryptography, architectural and design, identity, uh, and access management. So those are the things that they're talking about on Security Plus. And uh, Security Plus is... I'd say it's a great certification. A plus was easy for me um, by that point. Uh, okay. So A plus was difficult for me because it was my first certification. I would say network plus was easy for me because that's about the same time I was going for a CCNA. And um, I what I did in the Air Force, they paid for us to do all these certifications and Network Plus was one of the free ones, and so was CCNA. And so I had to take, I took those back to back. I took Network Plus, and I took CCNA, and I think maybe because I took them back to back, CC, the Network Plus wasn't even close to how hard the CCNA was. At that point, CCNA was the hardest test I'd ever taken. It was very difficult for me. Um, I just did AWS CCP a few weeks ago, and that one's pretty easy. Really? So I really have no excuse for taking the AWS CP. What was your, what did you study with Smooth Virus? Because I've I still been thinking about taking that one. AWS CCP a few weeks ago, and it was pretty easy. 
what did you use to study? I remember we talked about this a few weeks, like maybe a few months ago. And you're saying you're going to take it. I know that you did you use the website because AW Amazon has like a website to take that certification. This is a cloud certification that we're talking about, by the way. I used Stephanie Marek on Udemy and practice exams on Udemy. Okay, I need to I need to write this down. Stephanie Marek. Okay. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Good to know. I'm gonna. And then you said. Uh, and then practice quiz using ChatGPT, which turned out to be pretty close to the real thing. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Yo, that's pretty dope right there. Okay, thanks, man. So, so you okay? So you you took the AWS cloud certification, entry level practitioner, right? So that's the practitioner one, right? Which one is that? Let me see. AWS CCP. Cloud practitioner. Oh, yeah. Okay. AWS certified cloud practitioner certification. And then you took uh, Stephanie Maarek on Udemy. And then you also took the practice exams on Udemy. Then you also did chat GPT, which turns out to be pretty close to the actual exam. Okay. How many questions are on the test? Yeah. Entry level certification, which is familiar, get you familiar with AWS technology. All right, then. All right. That's a great thing to put on your resume, by the way. Every time I go to a damn interview, people are asking about the freaking cloud technology. Every time, every time. <laughs> So it's, it's really good to know. And um, 65 questions on the real exam. Is it it's 70% pass rate? I mean, 70%. You have to pass with 70% or more. This is great information um, for me personally. Because <laughs> uh, I've been thinking about taking this one for a while. I know Azure, VMware, and now AWS. 70% pass rate. 70% to pass, I should say. That's how much you need to pass. All right. Damn, that's what's up. That's that's not bad. That's not bad at all. I would love to put that on my resume. And people keep asking about it, and I do need to know the basics. So I've been seriously thinking about doing cloud technology. Just to just to put on my resume and know the basic stuff about it, things like that. Not trying to be a cloud master or whatever. Salman Hussein says, I want to transition my career and pursue in the cloud security auditing. Will obtaining a cloud certification alone suffice to enter this field? Is having a FedRAMP experience enough? Yes, so FedRAMP is is huge. Like FedRAMP, especially in the federal federal government, um, FedRAMP experience is really really big. And then having that certification, I only know this because they ask me for this all the time. Every time I go to the okay, so last year I was transitioning to another job, right? And um, beginning of last year, 
and uh, I quit my old job where I work with Smooth Virus, by the way. <laughs> Shout out Smooth Virus. So I transitioned and I, I started doing interviews and stuff. And um, and uh, they every out of five interviews, four of them asked me about cloud. And all I could do is tell them about FedRAMP. And that was enough to land me a job. So two jobs, by the way. Um, and uh, so FedRAMP is really good to put on your resume if you have that, that experience. And then also uh, a cloud, a cloud, any kind of cloud knowledge right now is good. Networking like is so deep right now that unless you have a professional level cert, um, an entry and you got to have way beyond an entry level certification. You don't probably have to have a professional level cert, but you got to be. It's it's very competitive networking. Network engineering is pretty competitive. But cloud. There's not that many people who are really savvy at it right now. Like it's still kind of it's been out for a long time. But what I mean is that there's not a lot of people who know it well. So the competition's still pretty not that bad. So you can still get yourself in there. So yeah, to answer your question, FedRAMP is super great experience to have. And then because FedRAMP is the federal implementation of cloud technology. And then um, also that cloud certification, the stuff that me and Smooth Virus are talking about. Smooth, Smooth Virus just said it. He said, FedRAMP experience is golden. Yes. So that and knowing that the, the ones you want to know is the ones that Smooth Virus is just talking about. Well, two of two of the three he talked about, I would totally agree with. And that's Azure and AWS. Those are the ones that people ask me about all the time. VMware is fire. But the ones they ask me about usually is Azure and AWS. And those are the ones I've noticed that people in the um, organizations in the field are using the most. The other one would probably be um, Google Cloud. Uh, VMware used for local virtualization, but what uh, the one of the big solutions for cloud technologies is to have it offsite and not on premises. And so the ones that specialize on that one is a Azure, which is from Microsoft, AWS, Amazon, and Cloud Google Cloud. So any one of those will do. So that's why I'm very interested in what VM, what uh, Smooth Virus is saying about how he was able to pass that certification, what he did, like his technique and all that kind of stuff, because that, that stuff's golden. I would say AWS is the hot one right now. Yes. And the reason why is because a AWS has most of the market of cloud, like most of the federal government, most of the Fortune 5000, Fortune 1000, whatever the hell they're called, most of the big companies. Uh, most, they're all going to, many of them, not all, many of them are going to AWS, uh, Amazon. And then the second would be Azure. Uh, Microsoft not doing too bad. And then, and then probably it's a fight between Google and, I don't know, Oracle or something. There's a third place in there. Let me show you what I mean here. Cloud marketability market share cloud market share check this out let me show you what i'm talking about here um let me show my screen here as for those who are listening or can't see my screen i'll just explain it 
DOD is going into AWS in a huge way. Yeah, they're, they're spending billions of dollars on that. So what I mean is by market shares, who has control? Who has control? What? It's kind of like your, it's kind of like phones, right? Who, what kind of phone do you have right now? Do you have a, do you guys have a, a an Apple or do you have a, a Samsung, right? It's, it's pretty much those two. I mean, most of the market is one of those two phones in the U.S. anyway. But there are people who have a Windows phones. There's people who have a Google phone. There's not many. The most of the market share is iPhone and Samsung. So for cloud, the market share, what I'm showing on the screen right here is, let me see if I can, man, it's all this freaking stuff popping up. Look at all these pop-ups. Okay. So the big three dominant, what I'm showing on the screen here is who dominates right now. Um, 30 32% of the market share is Amazon, AWS. Let me see if I can show my screen on um, TikTok here real quick. This is what I'm talking about. 30% of the market share is AWS. And what that means is most people, most organ most giant organizations they are choosing AWS, which means that the jobs are going in that direction. The skill sets are going in that direction, right? Because if if the government and the companies and states are mostly 32% of them are going to AWS, then they're going to be looking for AWS engineers and, and, and administrators to manage that, right? So that's what's happening. And then the second is the 23% of the market share is Azure. And then it's Google Cloud. And Alibaba, but that's not here in the U.S. That's most Southeast Southeast Asia. And then you've got a uh, IBM Cloud three percent, Google Cloud's ten percent, Alibaba's four percent of the entire market share of the whole world. By the way, um, IBM three percent, CloudForce three percent, Oracle two percent, ten ten cent two percent. This is mostly in China. 2% of the total market share is pretty incredible, though. I mean, for for one that's only in one country, it's crazy. So, yeah, that's that's what we're talking about when we mean, like, market share and who has who's more dominant in this field. And this changes every, you know, five, six years. It changes from time to time. Um, let me see. I got a question about... Probably ask T.S. Polly. Um, let me see. What's the question? T.S. Top secret uh, SCI does not need a poly. No. Doesn't. Sometimes. It depends on the job. Uh, for investigative forensics, you'll need a poly if you are doing blue team stuff. I don't know nothing about that. But for advising policy, you won't need it. Majority of GRC roles are asking for poly. What? No. No, Hussein. No. No. No, 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 no. I disagree, my man. I disagree, my friend. Okay, so... Salman, uh, Hussein is saying that most of the GRC jobs are asking for a poly. 
poly test is like where they hook you up to a polygraph machine and then they ask you questions. They ask, oh, are you gay? Have you ever had sex with a man before? Have you ever had sex with animals? Have you ever had <laughs> this? I'm, this is serious. This is real. Lifestyle poly. They ask you these questions to see if you like if you're going to lie and what's happening with the lie detector. Have you ever stole anything? Have you ever done anything? Have you been arrested? Have you ever like all these crazy questions? Right. And if you lie, they, they have a the lie detector. So it'll be like, oh, like it looks like you lied on this part right here. So. So, no. OK, I, I disagree that GRC jobs are mostly asking for poly. Um, at least not for me. Like, I'll just tell you my experience, Solomon. Like, I can't speak on your experience. Like, but I'm I'm in GRC right now. That's what I do. GRC, for those who don't know, is governance, risk, and compliance. Governance re means like management of security policy. Risk is like running audit logs, assessments, making sure the organization has a certain level of security posture and then compliance is making sure that the organization matches the industry standards so that'd be like if you're if you work in the hospital you have to abide by hipaa if you work in retail you have to make sure that your credit card machines are matching up with pci dss these are all standards that are in the industry to protect our data to protect your credit card information to protect your hospital information that's grc Though GRC is a very broad term that covers a lot of ground, but that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. Um, so that's that's what I've been doing. So that said, I've only had one job out of 10, out of eight, seven or eight jobs that had me having a TS clearance, a TS clearance, mind you, not not. Not a top secret with compartmentalized information. That was only in the military. The only time I've done SCI was when I was in the military. Yes. TSI, I had one job of that. So you got to ask like what your question to me should be like, well, Bruce, what are you, what are you doing? How are you, how are you getting jobs that some don't have a, don't even require a clearance? How are you getting these jobs? I've had several jobs that didn't, didn't require clearance. I worked for one organization that was in pharmacy. They didn't need a clearance. They didn't ask me. I didn't even have to have a public trust. Um, I worked at Verizon. Verizon needed a public trust, but that's not a clearance. I worked at, I was a contractor with NASA. That needed a, a secret clearance for what I was doing. But I had one job that needed a TS. I was working with the Air Force and one with the Army. And two, so two jobs out of eight, yeah, where I needed a TS, but that's not a, not a SCI. How am I, how am I doing this is because I believe, I believe it's my resume and my experience. So what I'm putting on my resume is I'm putting what I've done, which is um, risk management framework. NIST, I'm familiar with risk NIST risk management framework. I also put on there, I'm familiar with ISO 27001. I also put on there that um, that I've written policies before, security policies. I put on there that uh, POEMs, plan of action and milestones. Um, I put that on my resume. I put on there that um, I know how to do STIGs. So why do, what are those things? So those are all things that you use to conduct governance in, in an organization. And so a lot of these organizations are looking to, to do governance. Like how do we manage, 
How do we implement a policy to make sure that our organization, everybody's in lockstep to make sure we maintain a certain level of security on our network? That doesn't, all these organizations don't need or require a TS or even a secret clearance for that matter. Um, and a lot of them, sometimes a couple jobs I've been working with, we had, um, we had um, foreign nationals working with us. They like people who worked in Peru. They were working. We had to work remotely with them, and they had we had clients in Peru or whatever. And they, you know, they're not American citizens. They're not going to have a clearance at all. And then I, I worked with organizations that had, you know, uh, people who were or who live here, but they have a permanent residency. They're a green card or whatever holder. And so that that right there. It's like what I'm doing is on my resume, I'm showing, I'm telling them, look, I know GRC. I don't say GRC. I'm telling them what you do. Like, what, what do I do that's GRC stuff? Those are the key words. The key words are in the, there's something in SEO, search engine optimization that you could put on your resume. And it's called, um, they call it like long tail keywords, long tail keywords, right? Think of it like this. If you were looking at dieting, you could go into Google and type in dieting. But if you wanted to know the long tail, th there's going to be millions of stuff. Weight Watchers is going to, Jenny Craig, right? These are dominant multi-billion dollar companies. Nobody's going to top them. You're not going to be able to. But if you do long tail, you can actually dominate that keyword. So instead of dieting, you say dieting, protein, keto, keto diet. That's a long tail. Like that's that's a whole phrase. It's a key phrase, not a key word. Why am I telling you this? Why is that important? That's what you need to put on your resume. Long tail keywords. Don't just put cybersecurity. You want to put plan of action and milestone, poems. You don't know what that is, but the employers do. Not When I put that on my resume, employers know what that is. You know, I mean, does that make sense? If you're if you're trying to do uh, forensics, you wouldn't put forensics. You put, I don't know, in case or something. Um, you'd say something like uh, conducted forensics using in case. So that's a key phrase. Like in case is a that's a that's a software that's used to conduct um, forensics investigations. That's not something everybody's gonna know. That's only only people who are in the who are in this field are gonna know that. Those are the kind of keywords you need to put on there. The kind of key phrases and keywords that you need to put on there on your resume. If you just put cybersecurity, it's it's too broad. Like you gotta really focus in. And so I, that's why I think I've been able to get so many opportunities because I'm constantly getting sent opportunity. Like every day, every day I'm getting calls. I'm getting text i'm getting messages i'm getting like people are trying to get me to come work with them and i don't know if it would work i mean to be honest if i did an interview with every single one of these people probably 80 percent of them wouldn't be i wouldn't want to work for them they wouldn't want me to work for them because it we wouldn't be a match right it'd be too much travel or i don't have the skill set that they want or whatever but the thing is i have all these opportunities coming to me because my resume is out there number one and number two it has these keywords that are specific to what I'm trying to do in GRC. Now, if you only put Department of Defense stuff, if you only on your resume, if you only put stuff that people who are looking for a TSSEI 
are looking for, that's all you're going to find. That's all who's going to contact you is people who are looking for TSSCI type work. I, I hope that makes sense. Um, do you do resume work? Um, I do it for a fee, but the, if you don't have the money to do it, I would recommend that you download my free resume. Go ahead and download my free resume. It's actually, it's, it's not just one resume. It's my resume plus three or four other ones for free. Um, I know people are hurting strapped for cash right now. So I'm, I'm my, my resume service is not cheap because I don't want to do it <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't want to do it. So I just say, okay, give me a million dollars and I'll do it. <laughs> it's like $300 something. I just don't want to do it. I don't have the time to do it right now. So I've done, I, I was doing it for free for a while, but then I was like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. I got other stuff to do. You know what I mean? Like I could, if I spend an hour with somebody, that's, that's an hour I could have been working on something else that makes even more money or whatever. So um, I don't want to do it. So, but if you, if you pay me, I'll do it. But I, I don't want to do it. Um, let me see. Solomon says, can I shift from SCA ISO? Um, I can't find a junior mid-level role. They're asking for five years of experience. Man, start where you are. Start where you are is what I, what I would recommend. Um, you look for something with, the, with your level of experience right you all the ISO stuff that you're doing put that on your resume is what i would do bro i haven't found a job nothing yet i've been getting lots of job scammers oh my lord i'm in wgu for computer science degree and i'm working on at cloud certifications oh man that that sucks no jobs uh have you applied? Are you open to have you been open to moving out of your area? Because that's one of the issues that I've had is if I wanted to stay whenever um, I'm limiting myself to just one area, sometimes it'll that'll be a, st a showstopper for me. I'm, I'm really surprised you haven't had any real opportunities. You had how many how many interviews have you had just out of curiosity? Very curious about that, Joe. But really sorry to hear that, man. How many interviews? I know you had at least one. I know one time you popped on here, you said you had one interview. All right, I got a couple of questions on TikTok. Let me see here. Let me see. Do you have software to thwart deep fake, deep fake misinformation? No, I don't know anything about that, man. Um, I don't want to use my clearance because I want to be broad. Well, I would include my clearance. I mean, what I do is I include my clearance. I, I include my clearance on my resume because I don't want to exclude clearance jobs. But um, I also put things that I know that the rest of the industry wants. You know what I mean? Like, I know the DO, Department of Defense. Most of my skills come from the Department of Defense. I do not want to work for the Department of Defense. I do not want to work for them. But 
if I have to, then I will. But it's like I've done it. I've been there, done that. And that's I'm not, this is not the I love the Department of Defense as an employer, but it's very solid. They they're all they're very unlike many other industries. They're like very like this. is What we're going to do, period. Here's how we're going to do it. OK, we can't find a way there. We're going to go this way. We're gonna, I love that about the Department of Defense. It's just I've done it so many years that I'm like, damn, I want to try something else. And that's what I've been doing. I've been trying doing other going to other industries, messing around. That said, I don't want to even though I don't want to work for them, I don't want to exclude them. Because sometimes you get a really good opportunity from an employer you might not want. So what what I do is I'll add my clearance on there if I have one at that time. And then I'll also add other things that I know that they want to see within the industry. Like in my industry, for example, I know that they want to do what's called a plan of action and milestone poem. So I'll definitely add that to my resume. I know many organizations use it, and it's not exclusive to just the Department of Defense. Other agencies, federal agencies, state and local and private use something called a plan of action and milestone. They might call it something different, but that's why I use not only the the keyword POAM, but also plan of action and milestone. I put the whole word in there. Uh, another thing I know that they want is risk management, risk management in different security frameworks, because not everybody uses, for example, NIST 800 RMF. I know I'm using some like inside baseball keywords and nobody probably don't know what I'm telling them saying. But my point, my point is I'll use not only that that's inside baseball, like I know somebody knows what I'm saying, but I'll also use a broader, broader stuff. Like I'll say CIS controls. I'll say ISO 27001. I'll say, I'll say, I'll broaden the net so that, so that I can get as many opportunities coming to me as possible because you never know where the jobs are going to come from. You just, you just never know like what you, you, I've, I've been very surprised to get some of the opportunities I've gotten. Like I, I had no idea that uh, pharmacy was looking for somebody who knew NIST 800, by the way. Um, they wanted somebody who knew how to map NIST 800 stuff to ISO 27001 stuff, or they wanted somebody who knows PCI compliance. And like, I, that's why I put it on my resume because I want it to be broad enough to get some of those organizations. Cause like, you just never know. Like there's, the broader, the more, the wider that you put the net, the more opportunities come, the more you can just be selective. It's like, nah, I don't want to, or you could just do the interview with them and maybe that's not what you really want. Why is it taking so long for federal organizations to move to Rev 5? <laughs> yeah, that's a great, uh, they always do this, man. I've been doing this for a while, so um for example, at the organization I'm working on right now, we have we have like, I don't know, 100 systems, 100 systems with like 50,000 workstations and 4,000 freaking servers. So when we move all of those security controls from Rev 4 to Rev 5, I mean, it's a huge effort that we have to we have to take it 
part by part so we don't miss anything. They're very, very thorough. And so we have to take this part. Okay, let's go through all the controls here. You would think it'd just be like, oh, let's switch them all over. No, there's there's a couple of been of controls have been withdrawn. So we've got to go through each one and see, okay, this has been withdrawn. This one's been changed to this. We've got now this is blank. I've got to put a an implementation statement here. And you got to do that like hundreds of times. So it's, it's actually quite a bit of work. And that's why. I mean, speaking from my own organization, we have literally like 50,000 systems. So it's going to take us a while to switch. They are switching it over, but it's going to take like a year. Right. And we started six months ago and it's going to take us the rest of the, this year and probably into 2024 to switch them all over. It's just you, you've got to just it's like a, it's like we're not a little speedboat. We're like a we're like a destroyer you know and so it's going to take a while for that destroyer to turn around that's that's what's going on yeah fifty thousand at least i mean it's a lot it's the system i'm on alone is thirty thousand i mean and that's that's one system i have a cs degree and i'm going to tech sales right now how do i switch I have a CS degree and I'm doing, I'm doing tech sales right now. Aren't you, aren't you, I mean, tech sales, isn't that good? Isn't that, I mean, don't you make a percentage of the sales? And what are you trying to switch to? Would be a, another question I'd have for you. Are you trying to switch to like hard, like network security, network engineering, cloud, trying to do like IT stuff? Like, what are you trying to do? Maybe cybersecurity sales or cloud. Um, so yeah, cybersecurity and cloud are pretty hot. Um, I would say if you don't know anything about IT, it's a great opportunity for you to, uh, while you're still keep your job as, as a tech sales guy, and then start learning. This is what I would do for you. Start learning the basics of information technology. How does a really good common body of knowledge is going to be in, um, from what I've heard, Google uh, support IT has a good common body of knowledge for basic IT stuff. The one I'm more familiar with that I always talk about is CompTIA A+. Um, but it has like a breakdown of how hardware works, how software works. Like you want to start right there and build your foundation. The foundation of all IT and cloud stuff is, is going to be basic IT stuff, right? So that's where you would want to start. That said, you could probably you could probably just do AWS CCP, uh, which is a cloud practitioner certification, certified cloud practitioner, AWS. You could probably do that one, uh, that certification and that common body of knowledge with, without doing an A+. You could just go straight there. Um, that's another option for you. Depends on kind of like where you want to go with it. But if you're going cybersecurity route, I would say you need a found you. I would say you need to do IT first. I basic IT. The, and the more solid your foundation is to learn the basic IT, the better.
to be honest with you. That's going to take you a while to do it. And you might, the thing is, as you're traveling, as you're getting that information, as you're learning basic IT stuff, you might say, nah, man, this is not for me. I want to stick with sales. So keep your job, start learning on the back end, and then do labs in your house, do lab, do stuff at work. I mean, there's probably some IT guys you can hook up with because I know when, some places I worked at, we had a sales team. And those sales guys had to know our, the technology inside and out. They didn't know all the specs. They had to know. That's probably you too, right? You have to know the, the products that you're selling. So now you just have to know like how it actually works, like a deeper dive into how that, all that stuff connects and works and stuff. What you could do, what I would do for you, is I would talk to the technical guys to learn even more. And those technical guys, they'll tell, they'll have an ask them, say, hey, man, I'm trying to do more like what you guys are doing, like technical, like hooking up this system. The pro guys, right? The pro, any other organization I worked at, they called them pro services. Pro services were the guys who came out and hooked up your stuff. Like you would sell it to them. You'd call the client up. You'd sell it. They buy it. Then you send out pro services and then pro services goes out there and hooks it all up. Those are some sharp ass IT guys usually. And so those guys, you want to talk to those guys right there. And they might even be able to tell you like, Hey man, like you can apply right here. Well, we'll, you might even be able to do on the job training with them. You're in a great position. You might even be able to do um, on the job training with those. You could shadow them and then get like two, to get a, like six months, a year worth of experience while you're working on certifications. They'll even tell you what certifications to get. They'll be like, Oh yeah, you got to get this one. We're doing Splunk connections so you know you need to if you learn this one and this one um these two certifications and then you shadow them now you're getting experience with that with that pro services team and you can even go out to the sites with them so if they're hooking up routers or switches or splunk or whatever you go out to the site with them and help them and then they're gonna you shadow them this is what i would do for you shadow them learn it you of in the meantime, you're doing your certifications in the back end. And now in a year's time, six months, whatever, you have not only experience, but you have a certification and you can get yourself into probably just work with services, pro services, guys. You could probably just transition lateral change from sales to pro services. And now, boom, you've made the full transition. Uh, let me see. Thank you for, for your information. I've been chat GPT the whole time. <laughs> yeah, chat GPT is awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's it's really helpful for writing. It's definitely sped sped up my writing. Um, let's see. Nice to see some text on T on TikTok. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many technical people in here. I'm always shocked how many technical people jump on these lives that know way more than me <laughs> about certain aspects. How do GRC and DevOps compare? I can't really speak on DevOps. Um, I can speak a lot on GRC. Um Dev. Ops are definition. Is that is that developers? Let me see. 
what is DevOps? DevOps model. Um, DevOps is a combination of cultural philosophy, dev operations, developer operations, software and internet transfer. So what is the job of DevOps? What does a DevOps do? What does a DevOps engineer do? Is this a software engineer? A DevOps engineer introduces processes, tools, methodologies, and balance needs throughout the software development cycle from coding development. So, so don't, DevOps don't necessarily know how to code then. So it sounds like it's a very broad term where some of them know how to code. Some of them are just like project engine, project managers, introduces methodologies of balancing. It's okay. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty different, I would say. Um, a GRC is governance, risk, and compliance. And so what we do is this is what I've been doing for many years. It's it's that's a very, very broad term. So it's governance is like information management, like making sure that the organization is doing what they're supposed to do as far as the policies, creating a policy, having a policy, number one, and then having a uh, processes in place to match those policies. That's governance. Like, how do we manage our organization? Risk is usually associated with risk assessments, um, auditing, making sure that our seeing where what our organization looks like and how where all the data is going and stuff like that. That's risk. The risk part. And then compliance is making sure our organization matches up with um, the industry standards, whatever they might happen to be. DevOps probably is going to have to do some GRC stuff because I imagine they'll have to do maybe some scanning. They'll have to include some GRC stuff, but it's different in that DevOps is mostly focused on software engineering, it looks like, whereas GRC is much broader. Like It can include software engineering. But it also can include networking, it can include firewalls, it can include like basically everything. Every all cybersecurity stuff is what it includes. Whereas DevOps is just software. I would say that's probably the biggest difference. Um, let me see. I'm hoping to get my network plus and CCNA and go for my security plus so I can get into cybersecurity. Another thing that you need to add to that is actually doing, getting experience, I would say. It's, you're gonna be surprised if you get all this stuff and then you, you try to apply for a job and then you can't find one because you don't have the experience, um, get the experience on the way. And that, that's gonna help you. I can't guarantee you get a job out the box even with experience, but I could tell you it's going to help you quite a bit to get in there and get some uh, interviews um, if you have experience. Get experience on the way. Just start working on networks. Build networks. Build computers. Tear stuff apart. Do freelance work. Um, apply for local IT positions. Like Get experience to start building yourself up. Basically, I'm just labbing. Better than nothing. But... Another thing is to try to do, like, if you can, uh, 
if you, if there's local communities that you can do, like if you if you're going to school, if you hell help your if you have kids, they have a school, like go there, ask them if you can help them. Like anywhere you can get hands on with an organization, start building things, fixing things. It's a very weird field where you can apply for months before you find something. Um, it's it's because there's a you can find entry level positions. There they do exist. It's just that think of it like this, especially with cybersecurity, you're handling critical information. They have to know that they can trust you to not mess up their systems. They're trusting you. If you're doing, if you're looking at vulnerabilities, they're trusting you to not leak the vulnerabilities of IP addresses. Does that make sense? If you, it's like a bank. Like if you're, you want to know that the teller is not going <laughs> to slip a couple ones in their pocket as they're, you know, withdrawing money and stuff. Like they can't just trust, they can't just give this. Cybersecurity is not something you could just give to anyone. You got to come in with a little bit of skin in the game, which is experience and time. They need to know that they can trust you with their information. And, and the best way is, is somebody who has experience with an organization would be the best experience you can get. And that doesn't mean Northrop Grumman or Google or Facebook. It could be a local community. It could be your church. It could be, you know, if you go to uh, uh, any kind of school, it could be it can be any of those things. As a freelancer, that would help you out. I've been on help desk for six years now, but I've been I've taken advice. Your I'll take your advice and keep labbing and learning. You've been on the help desk. OK, so if you're on the help desk, check this out. I got a free downloadable resume, free downloadable resume, link in description, link in bio. What I want you to do is take a look at the, how I put it together. It's called an ATS style resume. I cannot extract. I can't express how important this is. A lot of times our resumes don't have the correct format. So you're not going to get as many opportunities. You're not going to get as many contacts if you don't have the right format. Another thing is that you need to put um, you need to put um, different keywords on there that you've done. As a help desk person, you've already done some cybersecurity stuff. So you want to put on the top of your resume the cybersecurity stuff that you've done. It's not just hacking. What is labbing? He means like um, putting together labs, like putting network, putting a computer network, making sure it's this computer can talk to this computer. You can also do it virtually with VMware. You can have it on your computer and have a virtual computer here and a virtual computer here and have them talk to each other. You can put a firewall between them. You can do there's something called GNS3 that you can put on your computer and do like a whole network. That a, a local area network and make this local area network talk to this local area network. And it's, you're making sure that all those things work together and all that kind of stuff. So that, I think that's what he means. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'll be taking information security management cert this fall. Any advice for me, please? Yes. So my advice, and I keep saying this over and over again to every single student, is to get experience before you get out. Um, a degree is not a guarantee of an instant job. Um, but, certif but actually, certifications are also not a, a it's not going to guarantee you an instant job in IT or cybersecurity. But 
one thing that's going to help greatly, greatly help you is going to be is going to be your um, your experience. So while you're in school, look for ways to get experience in school. One of the greatest opportunities that I slept on is to do works working student. Um, that's stuff you can put on your resume. Um, you want to also do volunteer work. Like if they're the drama club needs to set up a wireless man, be, be there to help them out. If they need to, I don't know if they need to image some systems. They have 400 systems. They need to image, re-image, be there to help them out for free. If you need to that any experience you get is going to be worth money. So right now you want to be building, building that up. That's my advice. It's not necessarily, oh, take this class or take that class. I'm telling you, like, spend some time to actually get experience. The job market is rough. That said, I'm getting I'm getting back to back uh, opportunities. I'm constantly getting contacted. Um, there's so many jobs coming to me that on my newsletter I'll put out. I can't do them all, you know, I can only do one, maybe two jobs at a time. So I don't need them. So I just I send them out to everybody else. That's what I do. I know I know it's rough. I mean, yeah, it's 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 not looking great right now, but I'm doing something right. Um, It's I think it's my resume. And Jojo, if you're still watching, man, could you contact me on LinkedIn? I want to I want to help you out if I can. I don't know if you're still watching me, but if you are, contact me on LinkedIn, man. I would like to maybe I could t- revisit your resume, see what we can do. I'm I'm kind of concerned that you haven't had any good opportunities yet. So maybe we can tweak your for free, by the way. For free. Just contact me, Jojo, if you're out there. All right, guys, that's it. I've been talking for about two hours. Um, I appreciate everybody. I apologize for the technical stuff that happened in the beginning. How do we get your newsletter? So sign up, go to Combo Courses, and right when you go to ComboCourses.com, you'll see it pop up. There'll like be a newsletter right there. Sometimes I'll give out free books. Um, I'm giving out like jobs. Um, I give you the context of the jobs. It's not like a guarantee that you're going to get an interview or whatever, right? It's just the more opportunities you have, the better is is how I, it's a numbers game. The more you put yourself out there, the more you apply, the more you'll get these opportunities to get the interviews and all that kind of stuff. So you can figure out if you can actually get in there. Sometimes you'll get a job offer and it's just not what you, you know, it's not what you want. It's not, not good. So all right, guys, that's it. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to try to do this tomorrow. I've just been really busy lately, but I'm going to try to do one tomorrow where I'm doing like more teaching and stuff. All right, guys, that's it. Thank you so much for watching. 